0: Hey, Church Intention family. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. I'm really excited about today's episode. Today, we're talking about mental health, and we have an amazing guest, Dr. Cassie Reed, uh, who has a PhD in marriage and family therapy. She is very passionate about the subject. It's a great podcast about us as pastors in the local church and how can we get involved? How can we talk about the subject? and how it's especially uh, exacerbated now with the conversation of COVID-19. Today, we're also partnering with Church Ed, which is another resource for churches and pastors uh, for training for ministry. And so we're gonna be sending this video podcast and audio podcast dually on both platforms. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. I think it'll minister to you, God bless you. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, I am ex- so excited about our guest today, Dr. Cassie Reed is an amazing woman of God, but she's also uh, in ministry. She's in counseling, has her own practice. She's an academician. She's just a Mm multi-talented person. So Dr. Reed is the director of the Marriage and Family Therapy Program here at the King's University. And she's the founder of Cassie Reed Counseling uh, here in the DFW area. And uh, she's written books. She wrote a book uh, recently called uh, "Open the Gift," uh, o- open the gift of holiday sanity. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which we could all use a little bit of that, a little bit of sanity. Uh, I, I did look up some of the areas that she's very passionate about and interested in. Uh, church wounds, which is something we're we all familiar with as pastors, uh, family dynamics, uh, systemic change, and self-harm. Mm-hmm. And so I think she's going to be a really good resource for us uh, pastors. Today, we're going to be talking about a very... Uh, relative topic about mental mental illness, mm-hmm. and um, with the COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. this was a big topic before COVID nineteen, and I think for us pastors, uh, this is something that we need to be not just familiar with now, but to know that the ramifications to come in the next twelve to eighteen months, we're going to begin to see this even more so. And I want to open this up, but first, I want to just kind of come across some stats that I that I saw. Uh, LifeWay Research published some of these stats. 23% of pastors admit to struggling with mental health. Mm. 23, like mm-hmm. a quarter of pastors. Wow. Uh, 49% say they never talk about mental health from the platform. Uh, 27% of churches uh uh, 27% of churches have a plan to assist families suffering from mental illness wow, or mental health. Yeah. So only 27% of churches have any sort of plan <laughs> whatsoever. And so I thought it was a relative topic for 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 us to talk about today. Mm-hmm. And we're really, really excited you're here.
1: Oh, I'm honored to be here. Yeah. So excited. I'm glad we're talking about it. We're in the not 27%. I'm thankful
0: right? for that. <laughs> so we're, we're helping the stats. We're we reversing <laughs> the stats a little bit. So why let me start start with this. I just want to ask you a bunch of questions, and I'm just going to be quiet. Why are you so passionate about this subject? Because I know you are. So tell me, you know, what are some of the reasons that you're so passionate about it?
1: You know, I think my main thing is it is wounding. Mm-hmm. Like, not properly addressing and understanding mental health in the church specifically yeah. causes wounds. Mm-hmm. Is that people are unable to— um to just deal with what's going on, anxiety, depression, even more severe mental health, you know, schizophrenia, like things, bipolar disorder, like things that are out there. And I think we can't segregate the clinical and the spiritual. Mm -hmm. I think the two things together are what make an excellent counselor, what make an excellent pastor, um, what makes a two-for-punch. So one without the other causes harm, in my opinion. It
0: is funny how we separate those two, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's either totally spiritual, and we're just going to cast demons out of you. And it's all on the spiritual side, which I don't I don't discount. There are those elements. Me
1: either. Yeah. Or
0: we swing the pendulum all the way to the other side, and we remove the spiritual element altogether, and it's all psycho- yes. psychological. And so there is a, a blend there. How do you mm-hmm. blend those things? Like how do you complement both? sides.
1: You know, one of the things I'm so excited that I get to do, really my practice at TKU, is to teach people to trust the Holy Spirit. Mm. Like, it's really honing that gift inside of them to say, okay, let me just sense the situation. Because counseling is really the only field where you're the commodity, like and same thing kind of with ministry you know what you're sharing you're the person you're the one you're the one that gets to kind of decide so I think it's teaching people how to identify clinical things I think that's missing sometimes is how do you identify clinical issues but also how do you help people who are really struggling with inner healing Yep. so much of it is contextual how you were grown how you we're grown up and how the attachment, what your attachment was like, what was your family like? What were those dynamics and how did that move into today? So it's teaching people to discern.
0: So maybe we should start with something super basic uh, Mm -hmm. because I think there's even some connotations to this word we keep throwing around. Um what is mental health? Let's just start with the basics. Like, let's let us let people understand from your perspective and your definition. Mm-hmm. Give a clear perspective of what all we're talking about. Are we just talking about crazies here, Dr. Reed, and the <laughs> schizophrenics and the crazy people? Like, I think that's part of the problem. It is. is. when people hear this word, they, yeah. their mind automatically goes to this, well, I don't have a mental health issue. Because they, it's the connotation. They yeah. have a bad perspective of it. So give us a healthy perspective of what we're talking about.
1: Do you know, it's interesting, I because it seems kind of raw, maybe what I'll say, which I know is okay, but, why do we care so much about our body and what we eat, mm-hmm. but we totally neglect our mind? Yeah. Like we neglect any part of our emotions. Yeah. That's what I see it as, is like, just like you go to the gym, you eat kale, you drink smoothies, you do things that are good for you mm. in the physical. Mental health is doing things that are good for you in the mental. Yeah. Like what makes... Um, what, Where are your emotions healthy? Where do negative emotions come from? How do you identify that? So mental health can definitely encompass depression, anxiety, which I think, everyone sort of suffers with a little bit. And Mm -hmm. and they all have a tinge of it at some point. Like this whole COVID-19 thing that we've walked through, I think anxiety is at a high just because people are like, what's going to happen? But I think it really is your overall awareness of yourself, overall awareness of maybe family patterns, family history, um, knowing when do you get anxious? When do you get depressed? What goes on for you? It's just being in tune with that, the same that you'd be in tune with your body.
0: Yeah. No oh, that's really really good. And for pastors to be able to one just talk about it. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe you know I'm speculating here but maybe pastors don't talk about it because they feel ignorant into what to mm-hmm. say or yeah. they don't feel like they're they have a psychological understanding or they don't you know if I open that can of worms I don't know exactly where it's going to yeah. go. Yeah. So so what are some ways that that pastors can talk about this from stage in a healthy format, you know, we talk about that, you know, it needs to be talked about you talk Mm -hmm. about your sermons, you talk about from a platform. Um, Are there some healthy ways or some ways that might help a pastor feel less anxious about, sharing these things.
1: Yeah. I think one is normalizing it, making mm-hmm. it to where it's not a that's stigma yeah. that, Hey, I Be know vulnerable. a lot of you. Yeah. The other is sharing your own story. Yes. Cause I can't imagine that there's not a pastor in America that hasn't had a tinge of anxiety at some point no. when you're working in the church. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, um, I think sharing that there's, there's, place for that in the congregation. Mm -hmm. You may not have to be one of the 20% that have a whole big plan worked out, but what can we do? I'll talk to you. We have Mm -hmm. people that can talk to you. Come meet with us. Talk with us. Let's get community resources. Like there are things that you can reach out and find no matter how small or how large your church or your town, anything that can provide the people. And I think just talking about that makes people feel seen, heard, and understood.
0: Well, if you'll just even talk about it a little bit and just bring it up that will be the first step that I mm-hmm. think will start to r- generate some momentum yeah. that people will, you'll you'll find that there's an interest there and yes. people are very interested in it. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago just in, in a message that I'd preached and I just kind of did it in passing. Uh, I didn't go into this big, it was just a, two or three minute portion oh, I of heard. my message. I heard
1: it. I was cheering. You did. Yes. You listened to my sermon. I I'm was shocked. cheering. I'm on.
0: <laughs> but, uh, but just that, I didn't even really do anything. I just mentioned it.
1: You said mental health. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And
0: I couldn't believe the amount of feedback I oh, got. Thank you for talking good. about this. Thank you. for. And I'm thinking, well, now I feel like, obviously, well, I need to talk about it more. But my first thought was, well, I didn't really even talk yeah. about it. I just brought it up. Yeah. And so just me bringing it up caused people to uh, appreciate mm-hmm. it, and so I'm like, wow, I need to talk about this more. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, you could do pastors, you could do a face. You don't have to do it from your pulpit. This COVID has taught you anything? Do a live Facebook, or um, I'm sure Doctor Reed here would love to come on your show anytime you know, for four thousand dollar <laughs> fee <laughs> per minute. No, <laughs> um, but just get creative and find ways to to talk yeah. about it, and just you know, one of the best ways to overcome your fears and talking about it is to say, I'm no expert in this, mm-hmm. but I know it needs to be talked about. So let's talk about this. Yeah. And so just just beginning in that way. So what are some ways that a pastor can, um, maybe it's with their teams or with some of their staff or key people in the church. What I think is important for pastors to learn and really anybody for that matter, as family family members or friends what are some things that I can begin to look for in my friends or my staff mm-hmm. that would be indicators to me that there are elements, you know, because there's two. Yeah. There's really only two people in your life that are going to have mental health issues, you and everybody else, <laughs> you know. So we'll talk about ourselves in a minute. But what do we talk about when we talk about other people? What do we begin to look for as triggers or, okay, I'm noticing mm-hmm. something different mm-hmm. in that person. Uh, one, how do I recognize it? And two, how do I approach that subject? Because that's a touchy subject. Oh, it is. Yeah. Uh, You don't walk up to your friend and say, hey, you got mental problems, man. Let's (laughs) talk about it. (laughs) You know, it's not going to go well. So how do we talk about it? How do we identify it? And then how do we talk about it?
1: I think the first step to identifying it is when someone's emotions don't equal the situation. Like, the emotions are not equivalent to Mm -hmm. the situation that you're seeing. So, like, if you drop something on the floor and you see rage, or if you um, bump into something and you're sobbing, it's like, Mm ooh. Like, that's an indicator that something's off, something's wrong. So, I always watch that. The level of emotion equivalent to the the actual event. Mm. Um, I think it's noticing pattern changes. Like, when you see someone who's normally outgoing, bubbly, totally be withdrawn or yep. someone who's normally withdrawn you might see them be more outgoing or yep. more vocal it's like always just noticing like hey you're not really yourself mm-hmm. um i think that's one way to to notice i think the other thing is sometimes just calling it out hey I've noticed you haven't been yourself. Hey, you usually um, get your work in completely on time, but you've been late. Like, or hey, you usually are right here, ready to open the church on Sunday morning and you haven't been here till church started. You know, like what's going on? And so it's like being able to just identify, hey, I see a pattern. I see you. Yeah that is a huge thing i think in ministry and i think that's what avoids spiritual abuse really yes. i see you yeah i know you i it's see relational. what's going on yeah like i've yeah. i've watched your patterns even if it's someone that you might not work with as closely i think another thing to notice is um just how they appear and mm-hmm. i know that mm-hmm. sounds really horrible <laughs> to like judge that but you know people who normally would be put together who yeah. aren't or you know, just seeing them, you can tell just even in their demeanor, yep. their face, if it's drawn or long, yep. just, just really paying attention to them. And that. when you know
0: people, you, you can tell. Yeah. You know, immediately. Yeah. But I like what you're saying, even from a leadership perspective. If you don't have a great relationship with them, you can still go to them. You have a working relationship mm-hmm. with them enough to say, hey, you know, you've been acting different. You know, and even if you haven't been meeting the standards of there's a relational way to do it instead of just blazing in and saying you're not doing your job. You're just going to complicate it and make it worse.
1: And starting relationally, I think, is key because— you know, shame and guilt is such a tool of the enemy. And yep. that's what, if it becomes about work performance, then that comes in. And I think that only exacerbates the problem. It only yeah. makes it worse rather than better. But I think um, if you put people first, people over the work, people over what's gone on, I think yeah. that goes so far in ministry. But you
0: see that all through Scripture? When, a, when anybody's having anxiety or fear or worry, God always comes in, whether it's through an angel or whatever representation mm-hmm. of the Lord, and it's always this relational aspect of fear not, yeah. I am with you. So it's, it's not the pointing the finger. It's, hey, I'm going to do this with you. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this together. We're not, I'm not going anywhere. You're not fired. Yeah. I'm not divorcing you. Yeah. Our friendship isn't over. Um, I'm with you. We're going to mm-hmm. do it together. So I good. love that. So how do we, you know, sometimes I'm really good at finding what's wrong with other people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but finding what's wrong with myself is sometimes the bigger challenge. And I think we all have that blind spot as leaders. So I think a bigger question might be, how do we identify uh, mental health things in us? Mm.
1: That's a great question. Yeah.
0: This is a, this is probably the hardest one to find. It is. It's in yourself.
1: I think that we really do know, like I know when my, Actions or my responses are extreme, <laughs> yep. you know. And I think it's just stopping to identify that. But I also think this is: I love to ask people their perception of me. So even teaching here, I'm like, I tell my students all the time, you know, good, bad, or ugly. I want to know, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like, give me feedback. And some of my students would be like, you were really short in mm-hmm. that response, or you were, you know, um, just just letting people speak into your like life. I think even people who are close to you mm-hmm. being able to say, hey, like. I don't know. Like, how am I doing? What am I putting off? Ask. Yeah. yeah, what am We're I putting ask. off? How are you seeing yeah. me lately? Yeah. I think that's helpful. I think um, also in yourself, it's just you've got to be aware of even the small things. Like if it's you love to work out and then you just aren't feeling it in the last month. It's like, why? Mm-hmm. What's different? Yeah. Being able to identify the places where things shift and change. Yeah. If we can do that in ourselves, then we can do that for other
0: people. Yeah, and, and sometimes it takes withdrawing to, for those things to be identified. I think, I think that in some ways this quarantine is helping people Mm -hmm. discover things that our pace has been such that we just kind of ignore and we roll with it. I'll be fine. I'll get over it. And then when we're forced through situations like the quarantine um, to just be alone Mm -hmm. with ourselves, Mm -hmm. we might discover more about ourselves than we thought that we, that we thought was there.
1: yeah. And
0: so now we're left to deal with it. Yeah. So it's one thing to discover it, um, that there is an issue. I recognize something in myself and going through the process of identifying what those things may be. But then what are some of the ways that we deal with it? How do we deal with those things? And I think for every pastor, the difficulty is, um, how do I continue to help other people with cool. their problems while I'm trying to fix my own. like, And I think that's why a lot of pastors are tempted to just fake it till I yep. make it because I got to be put together so yep. I can put other people together. So how do I put other people together while I'm broken yeah. myself? And I think this is what is roaring inside of a lot of pastors is that I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to be something to somebody else and be ripped apart within myself.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to think where I heard it, but I think one, any leadership training it's so great because a good leadership training is going to teach you to lead yourself and lead others kind of simultaneously. Mm -hmm. But I think I've heard it said that you should have some people that are leading you, like Mm -hmm. you lead up and then you lead down, you know, both directions. And I think that's where you have to carve out time and you have to say, okay, this is my time that I'm going to work for me. I'm Mm going to work on me. This is my time where I'm going to pour into people. And you've really got to silo that and say, okay, like in this quarantine, if that's taught you anything, like this is my family time. This is my work time. even though it feels like it can all bleed together, it's just mm-hmm. knowing this is where I got to take care of me. I think sometimes it's knowing when you've got to pause, like, is it time for a sabbatical? I know I we've kind of had this, but yeah. is it time for you to take a sabbatical, take a season of just focusing on you? Um, I think that's really what has happened in this, at least what I've seen.
0: Yeah, it's like you see the, the moral failure or, you know, in a pastor or heaven forbid, you know, like we saw in Jared Wilson in California, yeah. a pastor that commits suicide, yeah. somebody who was passionate about mental health and was an advocate for it and and commits suicide himself. At what point do you just, do you compartmentalize it and say, today I'm working on mm-hmm. myself and tomorrow mm-hmm. I'm working on other people versus I can't work on nothing yeah. but me. Yeah. I've got to shut this thing down. Yeah. Like what are, at what point within ourselves does it get that drastic? Like are we are we admitting certain behaviors? are we are we being abusive? Like, what are some triggers that we might need to say to ourselves? okay, i I, I need to go to my elders. I need to go to the board of my church yeah. and say, I need a break.
1: I think one thing I want to say about that first is shame is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, there's nothing that you could walk through that that's would bring true. so much shame. that The enemy wants you to quit. Steal, yeah. kill, destroy. That's it. That's yeah. all he wants you to do. So I think that's what happens is the shame of like, oh my gosh, yeah. I have these thoughts going through my mind. Yeah. I shouldn't be leading. Uh, no, that's yeah. exactly what the enemy would you're want was yeah. for you to hang it up. Yeah. yeah. And so I think one is identifying that and vocalizing it. Mm. So is saying, who do you have? That's you good. need a person. You have, to have Who one. do you have that you're going to say, today I heard that I should quit. Wow. That's it. If you just send that in one message to somebody, you need somebody that can receive those messages for you and say to you, okay, let's pray. I'm calling you. Or, oh, where's that coming from? And be able to dialogue on that. I think that's noticing. I think even saying... So, saying to your your eldership, yeah. or saying to people, if you find that you can't kick that with some of the things that have tried before, you've taken a vacation, mm-hmm. you've talked to someone, you've—I think every pastor needs a counselor. Absolutely. I'm just maybe that's because I am one, <laughs> but I'm like, where are you going to work it out? Part yeah. of my passion that made me get into. Um, Spiritual abuse is that so many pastors don't have anywhere to work it out. And you're not going to go to someone in your congregation. No. Like you can't. Or a staff
0: member. Yes, you can't. Or anybody.
1: Yeah, so that's my passion is how do I provide? That's a lot yeah. of what my practice does. And what I do specifically is provide that for pastors. You need a place that you can come invent. And it's ethical. When you go to a counselor, one of the things that's really great is it's ethical. They're bound by a licensure, meaning that you yeah. could tell them-
0: well, stay, What's said in the yes. office stays in the office. <laughs> and if it doesn't, you
1: take their license. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not yeah. kidding. Like I tell my students, like yeah. you choose to violate that, you're, you're, you're going to lose your livelihood. Mm-hmm. And I always say, your stuff is not- not worth my livelihood. I don't mm-hmm. care how juicy it is. I don't <laughs> yeah, want to right. tell it. I'm not going
0: to tell it. And, so, but that's important for pastors to hear that they need a safe place to go they and do share their, you know, not that every pastor has a deep, dark secret, but, but something that they're, they're battling with internally, yeah. you know, the, the shame, the shame is huge. It's huge. It's huge. And it's debilitating and it's paralyzing. And, and, you know, I think, uh, this time things have become amplified. Mm-hmm. I talked about that a couple weeks ago on on another talk I was doing that it's in times like this, that whatever's inside of you is going to come out <laughs> on these quarantine and COVID and stress and pastors may be sensing the same battle within, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same, just a roaring inside of themselves and they don't know where to go and they don't know how to process through it because it, it really is like playing a guitar uh you hear it but then if you plug it into an amplifier it's just so much yeah. louder yeah and it's the same song same guitar same hand playing it but it's so much louder and so um what causes that from a psychological perspective uh i'm no psych- psychologist what's happening inside of somebody that that causes things to amplify so much so and we We shove it down, and then it creeps up. Like, Mm -hmm. what are some of the things happening inside of somebody at that time?
1: Well, I think right now—I had a friend say this, and it was really true. She said, I have not been able to quiet the voices in Mm -hmm. my head. And not in the sense of, like, you know, schizophrenia or something— But it's like, we've got- Our own voices. Yes, we've got stuff to do. It's like, there's always somewhere to run, somewhere to go, someone to talk to, somewhere to be. And so what happens is now, I think in this quiet, it does amplify, it's like turning it up because you don't have anywhere to drown it out. Yeah, and so I think we got to get ourselves there more often.
0: That's really good, yeah. Be like,
1: that's why Sabbath, like, it's so crucial. Like, I I can't say it enough. I make my students read books on Sabbath because self-care, when you give out, self-care is huge because there's always someone who needs something else. It's insatiable. Like the church is insatiable and you love it. So you don't want to not serve it. You don't want to not give to it. You don't want to not bless someone. But the fact is, there has to be balance. And if you don't take care of yourself and you don't really honor the Sabbath, it's the only commandment that we choose to break. Yep. It's so weird, but it's true. And so especially when you're a pastor or a counselor or someone giving out. So I think if you find that time more often, you're Mm -hmm. going to face those thoughts almost like head on. You're going to see them more frequently than waiting for once a year when you take a vacation on the beach and they creep in.
0: Yeah, and it's, you know, I think the hardest word for any pastor to learn is no, because we get into ministry because we want to help people. Mm -hmm. We want to, you know, and when people come at us. They're always pulling, they're always pulling always. from you. You know, if you're a pastor listening to this, when's the last time somebody called you to tell you how great of a job you're doing? <laughs> it's not real often. Mm. People call you to tell you they want something. They need you to a funeral. They need you to go to yeah. the hospital. They need you to see somebody. And so it can be really hard to, um, to say no. I remember um, I was driving back with my family. Actually, I was driving back to my family. I'd been gone for a couple of days And we had this whole thing planned. It wasn't anything major. My kids just said, hey, can we play basketball when you get Mm -hmm. home? You know, it's like, we're just making some plans. And then I got this call as I was driving into the city. And it was somebody in our church that had somebody that was in the hospital. And, you you know, pastor, can you come? Mm -hmm. And I was just, I I was like, I got to check something. Let me call you back. And I just remember hanging up my phone going, what do I do? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a pastor. They're calling me. to. They're in they're on, you know, somebody's on their deathbed. They need me there. But I just promised my kids yeah. that I would be be there to play basketball with them. And you compare the two, you're like, well, basketball versus deathbed, duh, John, it's a no brainer. Oh, basketball. But I also don't want to sacrifice my kids <laughs> on the altar of yeah, ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And so I called him back and I said, I'm sorry, we're going to be sure we, we're going to make sure we have a pastor there, but it's not going to be me. It's good. And I remember just wrestling with that inside myself because it's hard to say no. Yeah. But there's such a big part of that, the importance of saying no, I think is so difficult for pastors to do. And so we end up saying yes to everything except the most important thing sometimes is us.
1: Well, and I commend your choice 100%. And only because of this. I think as pastors and what I see, and I may be overstepping because this is your lane more so.
0: You go for it. But
1: is that insecurity is something that has to be killed in pastors.
0: Insecurity is... Pastors are super insecure. They I'll just are. let you know. They're <laughs> they very are. insecure. I
1: work with them all the time. <laughs> but here's the deal, though, is the thought of you not being—like, that shows your security and not to just pick on you, but is that yeah. you could send someone else and still feel okay. Yeah. Like, be like, it didn't have to be me. I didn't have to be the one that went by that right. bedside. And that's, I think, where pastors have to check themselves: yeah. is to say, do I need something? Am I drawing something out of that exchange yeah. that meets a need for me that that's fills my so tank? Important. And it's like, so if I were to go yeah. to the death, that would help me. You'd leave your kids, yeah. but that would fill a tank in me. And yeah. it's, I fill your tank, you know. And it's we like, just hit
0: something really important that we need to talk about for a second because this is something God convicted me on very strongly, where there was a certain person in my life that. I didn't feel like I was getting the validation that I felt like I deserved from them. And um, I was working hard for them. I was doing everything I thought I was called to do. Mm -hmm. I was was laying it all in the line for this leader Mm -hmm. that I was serving. And I didn't feel like they, I felt like they were pushing me to the side, that they weren't acknowledging me, Mm -hmm. that they weren't whatever, right? And I was talking to one of my mentors, which is important. You gotta have somebody that you can process through and somebody that can, no matter how big your church is, no matter how big you think you are, Somebody can look you straight in the eye and say, you are dead wrong. You're an idiot, you know? And I was talking to him about it and and he, he, he did. He looked right in the eye and he said, why do you need his validation? Mm. Oh. And so for me, it was like, oh, knife to the chest <laughs> because there is something that, I think that's important that we talk about. There is a side of every pastor, the insecure pastor, all of us, that even when we're called to go to the hospital or we're called to do a wedding or a funeral, it's fulfilling a need yeah. that every human has we want to be needed and we want yep. to be known yep. and um and so there's a portion of even that even serving can become self-serving mm-hmm. you know that's fulfilling something within myself and so we can we can call it ministry and it is you you know what I'm saying we can say i'm doing ministry i'm working hard and people are dying going to hell i got to get up there yep. but all the while it may be something we're just fulfilling insecurity yep. we have, you know. I think that's really important to talk about yeah. that if we're all honest, a lot of times we're we're really just trying to do something so we can post about it on social media.
1: Well and you have to <laughs> sorry, think, I just
0: got real there. No,
1: it's good. <laughs> and I think, you know, you have to think back to where when you're called. Yeah. You know, because Every, I feel like pastors are called. Mm-hmm. But I think the if you think the enemy would not want to come and thwart your call or mm-hmm. try to flip it, yeah. you're crazy.
0: Yeah. I have said that as a
1: counselor, you're crazy.
0: <laughs> you're crazy. <laughs> Diagnosis, time, diagnosed you're you. crazy.
1: But it's the fact that like, you know, you go and you have this organic call. You have this place where the Holy Spirit kind of says to you, hey, John, or hey, Jim, hey, Sue, you're called to be in ministry. Yeah. Wouldn't the enemy want to come and say that, this now becomes the place where you fulfill a wound, a parent yeah. wound, a father wound, a mother wound, a teacher somewhere in your past that it, that, you know, that comes and creeps up, which is why mental health is so important. You've mm-hmm. got to know do I have a father wound? Do I have yes. a mother wound? Do I have a place in my past yeah. where a teacher didn't validate me accordingly? And I've lived with this inner vow yeah. all the way, yeah, all yeah. the way until now. And so I think you have to know that because that's what keeps the enemy silent when it comes to your
0: call. Calling it out, call him out call for what him it is, out. Uh, pastors. There's a really good book out there um, called "Kill the Spider" by Carlos Whitaker mm-hmm. that speaks directly mm-hmm. to this. is such a great book that talks about the wounds that we carry. That many times we've carried them so long we don't even know they're there anymore. But we we go after the the um, the byproduct of the wound. Mm-hmm. He calls it a cobweb. You keep cleaning the cobweb. Yep. You, you know, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop yelling at my kids. I'm going to stop. And he's like, the problem is that's not the problem. There's a spider. And until you kill the spider, yeah. the cobweb will just keep so reappearing. Good. And I love that analogy he uses. It's a great book for for you or for people that mm-hmm. you know of that are wounded. Um what else? Like I'm 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 trying to keep, you know, I have a list of questions, but is there anything burning in you that you wanna say? And I don't, I don't want to just stymie you to what I'm saying. Is there anything that that you're passionate about that you think is important for pastors or You know, even not even isolating it to pastors, but just as fathers, as mothers, from a parenting perspective, how do we make sure we're looking at things in our children? I mean, anything else that just comes to mind? in this process. Yeah,
1: you know, there's a lot. I think I think one of the things that I'm thinking about is authenticity. Mm-hmm. I, I love to teach parents how to model authenticity. My little girl's four and I'll say to her, oh, mommy messed up. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Or mommy's mad right now. And I like, just <laughs> yeah, letting like, her know, like, I'm going to tell yeah, you about this emotion. That's good. But it's what mommy does with her mad. i mad because this happened, but mm-hmm. I still love you. Yep. You know, or you're not bad. You made a bad choice. Like, I mm-hmm love to model what that looks like for me. And I think as pastors, as leaders, as That's counselors, good. as parents, especially in even COVID, if you're kind of coming out of it is sometimes it's saying, you know, mom's scared too. yeah, Mom's sad too, that we didn't get to go to that birthday party yeah. and that we missed that thing or that vacation or that you're not going back to school. Yeah. Sometimes In our own modeling of our own emotions, there's power in that. Because when Mm -hmm. people see us do it in a healthy way. So as people in ministry, if your congregation can see you model healthy emotion, like I'm disappointed. Like I'm sad about this. Like this is frustrating to me. Like when they can see you talk about it, it's like, hmm, you may be the first person that someone's going to see model healthy emotion.
0: Yeah, and even as leaders to... I think there's this temptation as a leader to think that you have to be Moses to go up to the mountain and hear from God in a cloud of glory and come down with your mask over your face. Oh, COVID-19, I guess that would work. <laughs> you have to come down from the mountain with you know, with the answers. Thus saith the Lord, here's what we're going to do. And I, I don't discount that. I think there are times where there is a revelation to the leader. But some of the times that I feel like I've earned the most credibility with people that have followed me is whenever in an all staff or whatever the case may be, I may just say, you know, guys, this is what I'm struggling Mm -hmm. with. On this side, here's what we would do. But the alternative is this side, this would be the challenge to that. And so to even see, let your followers and let your, even your family and your kids see this internal struggle with yourself. And then they get to see how you lead through that. Yes. And they may learn by not from what you said or the decision you made, but by watching the struggle within you but watching your demeanor and your Mm -hmm. calmness and then your decisiveness on the back end of it. They they learn more from that. They do. Than from watching you make a decision.
1: They do. You know, another piece of that, that I think too, is, you know, when you're you're thinking about, we're not that different, even though we are. Like, I'm not a a theologian. Like, I'm not a pastor in any way, so to say. But I don't ever want to be the source for someone. That's good. My goal is to... Teach them how to tap into the source themselves. Yep. Yep. So most of the people that I see, and they'll want to talk to me about church or Holy Spirit, yeah. you know, they, we can get into that. Yeah. How do you hear for yourself? Don't come to me and be like, what yep. should I do? I'm never going to answer that yep. as a counselor. I don't yep. think pastors should either. Which well, is what
0: Jesus did. He answered questions I know. with questions. I, know. <laughs> I don't think
1: pastors should either. Hey, yeah. should I get a divorce? I, I can't tell you. Yeah. What's your gut say? What's That's the really Holy good. Spirit speaking to you? And I think the moment we remove ourselves from being the source, yep. thinking we have to be the one that hears, yep. And then we teach the people with us, like our either counselors or or people in our congregation wherever you go back. Then tell me what you heard. Yeah, that's good because he doesn't work in confusion. That's good. So he's not going to give mixed messages. You know, it's someone's not hearing somewhere, yeah. but it's teaching them to go and do that for themselves. I don't want people to be dependent on me,
0: yeah, which is too much for any leader to bear anyway, you know, I oh, see yeah. leaders that that are exhausted, they're getting sick, they're getting, you mm-hmm. know, diabetes or yeah. whatever their their ailments are. What if it's because you're trying to carry too much weight? And, oh. and, and, you know, you saw this pattern of Moses, and then guess what happened? His father-in-law came along and said, man, you're not going to be able to make it. You can't lead this way. You're, it's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And so takes him through the process of delegation mm-hmm. and stop having to try to be the answer to mm-hmm. all things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of what of what healthy leadership um, is, is all about. I'm I'm really excited that you came on today.
1: Oh, I'm honored. Thank any, you. Any any
0: parting things before we before we break? What would you say to a pastor who's really um, struggling? Besides call me, because you could do that too. If you're listening, you're watching. Yeah. You can you can do that too. Call Dr. Reed. You should do that. <laughs> and and we'll provide her contact information and in, in some of the notes on on these things. But like what would be your, if you could look any pastor in the eye that's really struggling right now that are just holding it together and everybody else out there is like, oh, we love our pastor. He's so great. You know, he's perfect. But inside they're just reeling and tormented. And like, what would you share to them in these these times that they're going through? You
1: know, the first thing I would say is I'm so sorry Mm. because something got you here and I'm so sorry Mm -hmm. that you're here. And I think the other thing I would say is you're not alone, and that's a lie, mm-hmm. that you would be the only person that would be here and would be the only person that would be experiencing this or like this at all. And I just want to say to you, you're worth it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more worth it than than you, than the yeah. life that you have. There's yeah. nothing more worth it than your family, yeah. than your um, your health, your wholeness, nothing is more important than that. Mm. And I feel confident even saying that if you were to ask the Lord, He would agree with me. Like Mm, and say mm. like, you're valuable. You matter to me. There's so much that He created you. Like He didn't create you to be a martyr or a slave for other people. He created you to be whole. Mm. And so um, there's people out there that want to help you be whole. That want to help you um, be well. And you're worth that. And it will be there when you get back. Whatever
0: it is, yeah. It'll st- it will still be there. <laughs> it will be there.
1: People will be there. Needs will be there. Funerals, yeah. weddings, yeah. sermons to preach, ministries to run—they will no be shortage there. of no that. No shortage. Yeah, and there'll be a place for you. I think so that find a lot too.
0: somebody to talk to.
1: Yes, right? find absolutely. To to.
0: And you know, I'm going to have Doctor Reed pray for us in closing here in just a minute. But I would, I think, we would both agree just to encourage everyone out there to begin to talk about this. Mm-hmm. You know, and. I don't think we realize how many people are sitting in our pews or in our congregation that are dealing and really struggling with mental issues whether they're whether they're mild or severe yeah. that we're we're talking about all these things in church and none of them are bad all of them are great topics but I wonder if we're skipping over really relevant needs mm-hmm. Um, because we don't know how to talk about it, so I would encourage you to talk, have a staff meeting about it, pull yeah. in trusted people, and yeah. say, "Guys, I don't know how this looks, I don't know what we're going to do, but I want us to talk about this and brainstorm." You got mm-hmm. brilliant people on your teams yeah. that will help you process through this and come up with some some strategic things and some tr- strategic ways to do that. Yeah. So, um, Doctor Reed, if you would pray for us, and um, as soon as she says "Amen," we are going to cut it. So, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Thank you for watching. Uh, we're praying for you. Yeah. We believe in you. And uh, we're going to get through this this COVID-19 process together. Dr. Reed, why don't you close us in prayer? Sure.
1: Holy Spirit, I just thank you for every person that's listening and just um, engaging today. And I just thank you that you are for them. I thank you that you meet them right where they are. I just ask right now that you even speak to them in a way that you maybe haven't before. I just thank you, Lord, that you silence the voice of the enemy in their lives. I thank you that um, you have a future and a hope for them. And we just, um, we say that you're bringing the right people around them. I thank you for boldness and bravery for people to just overcome shame and fear to speak out if they need to, Lord. I ask that you provide people for them to speak to. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity just to even share about this in our country and just with TKU and just overall that we're talking about hard things. And Lord, I just thank you that there's calls on people's lives. And Lord, I ask that you solidify that, that people feel secure and safe and know that you have a place for them. You have a plan for them. And Lord, you have a plan for their hope and their future and their health, especially mental health. Lord, we thank you. and We just give you authority and glory in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Thank you for listening to the Church Intention Podcast. For more information, visit churchintention.com. The King's University is an accredited, spirit-empowered evangelical university in Southlake, Texas. To learn more, visit TKU.edu.